Anyway, I know that we've uh, just returned to the subject of spiritual disciplines last week. Uh, Tim uh, covered the spiritual discipline of rest last week, which is great. Today, I'd like to call a timeout and hit the pause button to talk more generally about the spiritual formation of our kids. Um, whenever kids are, are in a sporting event or a music recital or a dance recital or graduating from kindergarten or graduating from high school, um, if you have a pulse, then you cheer them on. Uh, it's, it's a very natural and wonderful thing to be able to celebrate them, to be a voice and a smile on the sidelines of their lives, clapping, whistling, yelling things like, keep going, run faster, um, you got this. In their pursuit of Christ, the, the most important focus of their lives from age 1 to 91, we don't often think about cheering them on. But I would argue we must. That, that's exactly what the purpose and focus of this day, the dig celebration, is. It, it's an opportunity for us to be able to cheer them on in what God is doing in their lives. Vince uh, Lombardi, the, the NFL coach from the, when was that, the 60s? I think so. At the beginning of every season, he gathered his team of, again, this is, these are pros. They're very familiar with um, football, the, the game of football. Before he'd kick off every season, he'd say this, gentlemen, this is a football. And this is the object of the game. This wasn't news to any of them. He, he, he was simply returning to the basics, to the fundamentals before his team did anything on the field. So for a few minutes this morning, I'm not going to say anything uh, that uh, you're, you don't already know. 99.999% of you already know this. But I, I'm going to take a play out of Lombardi's book um, and do this for the same reason that Lombardi took his team through, um, through the basics, through the fundamentals, because vision leaks. Vision leaks for all of us. So I, I want to read this portion uh, from 1 Corinthians, but first, just a little context. The, the Corinthians had all their favorite teachers, all their favorite leaders. Some followed Apollos, some followed Paul, some followed Peter. Um, and as Americans living in the Twitter age, the YouTube age, who can't relate to this? You know, we, we, we all follow someone, Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, Tim Keller, um, whatever, fill in the blank. Paul hears this happening in Corinth, and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got to correct and adjust this way of thinking. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, uh, 6 through 7, he wrote, I planted Apollos waters, but God gave the growth. So neither he, he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Jesus calls us to make disciples. He doesn't call us to make spiritual widgets. So I don't care if you're Henry, Henry Ford or Elon Musk, uh, spiritual growth is not something we can engineer. Not something we can manufacture for real spiritual truth, uh, sorry, spiritual growth to happen, it totally depends on God. 
It totally depends on the work of his hand in a person's life, and that includes our kids. If God's not at work drawing people, particularly our kids, to himself, showing them their need for his grace, and then transforming them by that same grace, then it won't happen. It won't happen. You know, I I can talk till I'm blue in the face up here. Without the Spirit of God working in each of our lives, I am wasting my time. But God has this crazy idea of giving us broken vessels of role to play. As parents, pastors, grandparents, aunts, uncles, family friends, you all have a vital role to play in the discipleship of our kids. You know, take that in for a second. Absorb that. You have a vital role to play in the discipleship of your kids. Paul's saying, you know, we have to stop thinking of ourselves as spiritual engineers, spiritual factory workers. No, 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 no. We have to think of ourselves as spiritual ecologists. And an ecologist uh, in the natural world can't make stuff grow. He or she can only create an environment where growth can happen, where growth usually does happen. And that's our job. That's, that's my job as a, as a pastor. I'm not a chaplain. I'm a disciple maker. And, and so are you. If you're a Christ follower, you are a disciple maker. So for the next few minutes, I want to look at the what, the who, and the when factors of discipleship of our kids. The what, the who, and the when. Let's, let's start with what. Well, uh, sticking with our ecology theme for a second, Jesus often compared the gospel to a seed. One of the most famous ways um, he did this was um, through one of uh, his first parables he told, the parable of the sower. He says a, a sower went out to seed, and, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on, along the path, dot, dot, dot. Other, feeds, uh, other seeds fell on rocky ground, dot, dot, dot. Other seeds fell among thorns, dot, dot, dot. Other seeds fell on good soil. And in explaining this, uh, Jesus defined his terms. The seed means the word, scripture, the gospel of the kingdom. The greatest gift we can give our kids is constant exposure to scripture. And, and it's not because we want them to win every game of uh, Trivial Pursuit Bible version or apples to apples Bible version. No, no, no. We don't want it to stay up here. We want it to transform their lives. We want it to go down here, right? So it, it, it's because the word, the, the word of God is life-giving. And so it, it nourishes our souls and their souls. One time, uh, Jesus' disciples returned uh, from uh, getting takeout at the, the nearest place uh, with some food, and they, they they kept insisting, urging Jesus to eat. And he said to them in John 4, 4, 31, I have food to eat that you do not know about. It offers spiritual protection. How did, how did Jesus resist shipwreck for his soul when he was being tempted in, in the wilderness, in the desert? 
The answer is Scripture. Every, every counter to that temptation were the words of Scripture. So Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand the schemes of the devil. So it nourishes their souls. It offers spiritual protection. Next, it, it's a firm foundation through the storms of life. At the tail end of uh, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, floods came, winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had been founded on the word, on scripture. A sower went out to seed, flinging it everywhere. In that video we just watched, uh, I love how Abby and Bjorn were literally throwing their books at their kids. Um, Little did they know. We, we, we are given the, the privilege and the responsibility to throw seed everywhere. And in, particularly, in, in particular, to our kids, at our kids. Soil in, in Jesus' parable is, is the heart of a person, the innermost being of a person, the, the seat of the will, the their affections, what, what makes them tick, what drives a person to act. So does, does a sower control the soil's condition? Not so much. Does a sower know how, how each kid is going to respond to life's various uh, temptations and trials? No. But he merely calls us to plant. He merely calls us to water. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So that's the what factor in, in the discipleship of our, of our kids. Next, the who. Well, as, as the dad to two teenagers, actually the 18-year-old often likes to remind us that he's no longer a teenager. He's an adult now, so there's that. Uh, we're used to hearing, uh, hearing how parents have this kind of waning influence in, in their kids' lives. But I, I've put this, up, this quote up before. Um, but listen to these words from uh, Clark and Powell. Kara Clark and, I don't know, uh, blanking on his name, uh, from the book uh, Sticky Faith. So he says, they say, let me give you some good news from our research. Your kids are more connected to you, parents, than you might think. We asked graduating seniors to, to rank five groups in terms of the quality and quantity of, of support they received from them. Those five groups were friends inside of youth group, friends outside of youth group, youth leaders, parents, and adults in the congregation. Which group did they rank one, number one? parents. That's encouraging, right? Mom and dad, uh, you never underestimate, never underestimate the influence you have, especially when you feel like your voice is being drowned out, uh, especially today, by social media, by all kinds of influences. But there's more. Um, 
They write, many children's and youth ministries say they want a one to five ratio of, of adults to kids, meaning they, they want one adult for every five kids. What if we reverse that? What if we said we want a five to one adult to kid ratio, five adults caring for each kid? We're not talking about five Sunday school teachers or five small group leaders. We're also not talking about five adults to whom you outsource the spiritual, emotional, social, and intellectual development of your kids. We're talking about five adults whom you recruit to invest in your kids in little, medium, and big ways. Families experience a five-to-one ratio when they develop a sticky web of relationships for their kids. I like that. Sticky web. So in that sticky web of relationships, you could be a friend of the family. You could be a, an unofficial or official mentor. You could be a, a, just a brother or sister in Christ serving alongside um, someone, uh, like a kid on the projection or sound team or worship. Uh, Clark and Powell, again, write, by far the number one way that churches made the teens in our survey feel welcomed and valued was when adults in the congregation showed an interest in them. More than any single program or event, adults making the effort to know the kids was far more likely to make the kids feel like a significant part of their church. One student exclaimed, we were welcomed not just in youth group, we were welcomed into other parts of the ministry of the church, whether it be in the worship or, or the praise team on Sunday morning, or whether it be teaching Sunday school to kids or helping with the cleaning and serving. All of these other types of things really just brought the youth in and made them feel like they had a place and even feel like they were valued as individuals. All these are ways to include our kids into our family, into the life of this church. Who's the sower? Well, if you're a Christ follower, again, if you're a Christ follower intentionally investing in kids in those ways, then you're one person that has taken responsibility for that kid or those kids. You've, you've given them a, a model to follow. Remember what Paul said? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So the what factor, the seed, the life-giving, uh, the, the, the life-giving nature and quality of Scripture, the who, the sower. Lastly, the when. When does it happen? Look at these famous words in... Um, Deuteronomy 6, um, which Grace and Luke uh, read earlier. Notice all the whens in, in, this, in this passage, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your, on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In this passage, uh, 
Moses is, is not so much interested in the who, and he's not so much interested in, in the what. He, he's interested in the when factor of discipleship. Is, is discipleship something that only happens on Sunday mornings? Is discipleship something that you only do at special times like Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter? Uh, is it, is uh, discipleship something that only happens through youth retreats or camps? I don't know. It's not an event. It's a way of life. And how do you know someone's authentic, someone's sincere, when you've been with that person day in, day out? When you've, you've had the chance to do life with them and the subject of God naturally, just naturally oozes out of them. Comes up in all of life. It's, it's, in other words, it's not something you turn off and turn on. No, it's just who we are. So when you're sitting around the dinner table, when you're driving to the store, when you're doing yard work together, when you're running errands, when you, when you put your kids to bed, and, the, and, then, and then around the breakfast table in the morning, it, it, it's not an event. It's not an event. It's a way of life. When um, Kylie, my wife, uh, ran a marathon one time back in, I think it was 2007. You know, that's a long event. Yeah, it's, it's about three hours. And after all the yelling and cheering and, you know, I was holding a lot of signs, I was dog-tired after that event. I mean, <laughs> the, sp the spiritual formation of our kids is more, it takes longer than three hours. It's a lifelong event, and that's why finding ways to encourage, finding ways to cheer them on, takes, it requires creativity. It requires listening to them. It requires coaching and mentoring. It requires correction and adjustments, maybe discipline. But at the end of the day, it requires faithfully showing Faithfully being there no matter what. Why? So they, can, so they can see Jesus in us. So they can see Jesus in us. So, so they would desire him above anything, anyone in their lives. That's discipleship. You know, we, we, we talked about, um, Paul talks in, in Colossians 1 about you know, bringing these believers to full maturity. That's what we're called to do. So let's, let's pray for, for our kids and let's pray for all of us who have been given this, this charge, this awesome responsibility and privilege of bringing the gospel to the next generation. Let's pray. Father, uh, Thank you for the work you have done and continue to do in our kids' lives through this crazy year. You tell us that nothing can snatch your kids from your hand. And so we praise you for your faithfulness to them. God, we, th we thank you for their parents, for their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, 
for the friends, um, uh, close family friends who have served as an unofficial or official mentor to them. God, we thank you. Thank you for providing for them in, this, in these ways. Thank you uh, for all the ways that um, we've, we've cheered them on. We've encouraged them as they seek to follow you. I pray that you would, uh, you would really bless everyone involved. And the kids as, as the people who are, um, as well as the, as the people who are lovingly supporting them. We pray for energy when we're feeling spent, intact, and empty. Would you fill us? We pray for the gift of community when we're feeling kind of out of ideas. But more importantly, we pray that this would be a year like no other in how, in how we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and how we fix our eyes on things above, not on things below. Would you do that? We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.